Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast, and welcome to this edition of the Sedgwick Podcast. And I've got two tremendous subject matter experts with me today to talk about medical inflation. I've got Dr. Teresa Bartlett, Managing Director uh, for Managed Care for Sedgwick, and Max Kuntz, Chief Claims Officer for Sedgwick. So thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedules to be with me. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, let's jump right in, Max, and talk about um, medical inflation. Based on Sedgwick's data, what trends are we seeing related to medical costs uh, that uh, that you're seeing, especially in, in trends, and where is this going? Well, for uh, I think as everyone knows, for last year, we did see some aspect of medical inflation in the, over cost, in the overall cost of claims, and last year it was running about 3%. And when you look at what was anticipated to occur this year, to a great extent, it was based on what we saw from the Medicare or CMS fee schedule that was set at the end of last summer in 2022. And when you looked at that, we have so many states that actually use that as the guideline for their medical fee schedules. We were basically able to estimate or look at the average increase in cost in that area and actually apply the same potential increase to the workers' compensation. And what's happening so far this year is that is holding true. So when you look through the first quarter, we're actually seeing nearly a 3% increase in medical costs this year in in comparison to last year for that first quarter of the year. And that was what we were expecting, so hopefully that will hold true and it won't go any higher could possibly go lower, but we do anticipate that it is going to be anywhere from 2 to 3% for the course of this year. What's interesting in that is that we are not really seeing utilization in medical treatment increase. So when we look at our average utilization on a per-claim basis through the first part of this year, we're actually seeing basically flat in comparison to the previous years in all the different quadrants of medical treatment. We have seen a slight increase in physical therapy, but it's nothing that is what I would say significant. It's around 3 or 4%, so nothing around the 10% or 20% increase range, but something just as a minor increase from that standpoint. What I would point out is what is driving the increase in medical costs this year as far as inflationary aspect. And the way we arrived at that is we look at the average cost on a per-cost unit basis. So we break it down into the different categories of cost codes, I guess I would say. And last year it was primarily driven by a significant increase in the evaluation and management area. This year we're seeing a continued increase in that area, but the primary area that is driving it or the highest cost area from a medical inflation standpoint is in the surgical area, which is up about 4.4% in comparison to last year. And the eval management area is up about three, three and a half percent. Diagnostics up three percent to four percent. So all of them are around that four percent mark, but the overall mark is hanging at about three percent from a medical inflation standpoint. Dr. Bart, let's go to you next. And we've got a multi-part uh, questions here, uh, but we'll we'll kind of address them all at once, and then you can break break those out. But one, how do rising medical prices impact employers, and two, what can they do to manage costs 
in the current environment? And finally, are there any cost containment options that they should be thinking about? First, let me talk about the rising medical costs that impact to employers. Rising costs increase the cost of risk for employers and potentially require them to think about self-insurance versus insured programs, depending on the rates and the security bonds they may have to put up at the state level. And so um, these types of issues, if they continue to increase, can cut away at the profits of a company and make it, bottom line, more difficult to give raises and benefits. And we all know that employees are demanding higher wages and better benefits in this environment. So what can they do to manage costs and what are the the options for those kind of go hand in hand? The first thing is to make sure that they're engaged in uh, preferred provider organization networks, PPOs, so that they minimally can get discounts um, beyond fee schedule. Also look at clinical tools such as utilization review where it's allowed to make sure that evidence-based medicine is being applied in a standard way to what is happening to their injured workers, getting the right tests at the right time, and using clinical resources such as nurses, return-to-work specialists, where it makes sense in their program. But all of these are ways that it can be helpful for them to contain their costs and get the right sequence of care by using high-scoring providers wherever possible. If we expand upon that, um, what do claimants need to consider to effectively navigate these ongoing economic challenges? Well, as we all know, injured workers don't pick where or when an injury occurs. And um, I would say being mindful of treating with a high-quality provider but most importantly, to advocate for themselves to get expedited care, to not take, you know, no, my surgery will be scheduled two months from now, to really advocate for themselves so that they can get better. And I've got another multi-part question for you, Dr. Bartlett, because you're, you're knocking these out of the park here. We'll, uh, if, we, if we look at how does medical inflation impact overall health choices, do we see that some people tend to forego or delay care? And if so, what are those implications for doing doing so, and how does that all wrap together? Right. So this is really kind of a general health care discussion and not so much casualty or workers' comp because um, injured workers don't share the cost of their medical care in workers' comp. But um, in the healthcare segment, medical inflation definitely factors in here. Um, some people, I, I'm seeing this um, on the healthcare side, where they have to make important choices between getting an MRI or, or a healthcare test or a surgery and paying for food for their family or medications or rent. 
and they'll put off an expensive test until a situation becomes more catastrophic, which is exactly the opposite of what anyone in medicine wants to see. And then at that point, it's a catastrophic, high-cost issue, and it's much more advanced, but they don't have a choice. And so medical inflation in general does have an impact on our economy. And Max, circling back to you, when when you take in everything that Dr. Bartlett just said, and then we look at the demand for healthcare workers is significant, and and we know there's shortages in many places, and the forecast seems uh, dire according to some things. What role does medical inflation play in the labor market when we look at it from from that point of view? Well, there's two aspects, I believe, to the medical inflation cost that we're seeing. And one is the fact of, obviously, wages. And the healthcare profession, and Dr. Bartlett, I may segue to you right here and just say, because you and I were discussing this earlier, just about the shortage of physicians and nurses and tech and everything in the healthcare industry. What was that number? So for physicians in 2021, 117,000 physicians left the workforce and 53,000 nurses and 22,000 physician assistants. Um, the industry in general, the healthcare industry, is also aging, and it's estimated that more than 40% of physicians will be 65 or older in the next decade. And as as you were saying, Max, the demand for healthcare workers is so high, and yet they've had a shrinking uh, market. Exactly, Jonathan. So when you consider the inflationary aspect, I mean, one component of it is simply wages, and that healthcare costs, from the standpoint of getting into professionals that provide us with those healthcare services, it's costing hospitals, clinics, everyone more to bring those people on board, just like wages in general have gone up over the course of the last 15, 18 months. So that's the first aspect of the uh, medical inflation that we're seeing. The second aspect is simply the supply chain issues, the overall inflation that we're seeing in medical equipment, parts, replacement, things like that, so that the equipment that is utilized in the medical arena is actually available, that it is costing more to service those, it's costing more to replace them, it's costing more to repair them. So both of those combine to actually impact the inflationary aspect of the medical cost, and it is playing an important role. And the one area that we have started to see it in, well, let me back up first, is the one area that we had concern is because of the fact that we've got a shortage in the um, provider access is are we going to start seeing a delay in medical treatment? And fortunately, we have not seen anything significant yet, but it is something that we're continuing to monitor. The one aspect that we did see it in and Dr. Bartlett and I were discussing this earlier, was in the surgery aspect. And what we have seen over the course of the, through the first quarter of this year, is that the time between the date of loss or the date of the injury and surgery 
is actually higher, or there's more time period, more of a time period there than there has been in the past, and it's gone up nearly a week. So we're seeing the difference between when we looked at last year and we look at this year. It's taking it's a week difference between how many days it was to a surgery last year versus this year. And the challenge there is that not all states are created equal. And when you look at some states, and I just wrote down a few, but when you look at the state of Arkansas, it's actually, in Arkansas, they're actually getting to surgery quicker. In Kansas, it's actually two weeks over last year, taking two weeks longer. In the state of California, it's roughly four days longer than it was in the past. And in the state of Florida, it's actually eight days longer than it was in the past. And when you have those types of delays and things that we're taking, it obviously increases the duration of the claim, obviously increases the disability that may be paid for those people off of uh, work during that period of time, and it just increases the overall duration of the claim and how long it lasts and the recovery period of that individual. So, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do, and I think this was referenced in the way that, um, in the manner in which Dr. Bartlett answered uh, the question you asked her about access to medical care, is we want to help injured workers obtain medical care in an expeditious manner. We want them to be able to get it very appropriately from a time standpoint. We obviously want the treatment itself to be appropriate, but we want to help facilitate it as much as possible to be as expeditious as possible so that they're able to return to work as possible. Because what we do know from previous studies is that the longer they're in the medical process getting treatment and delays that occur during that time, it doesn't help their recovery path. It doesn't help them return to that gainful employment, which is part and parcel of what the workers' compensation process is expected to do. Perfectly answered, Max. Yes, I think that that wrapped it all up so that everybody understands, um, you know, why what the key is and what we're trying to accomplish as we we partner. And, and just one final kind of follow up to to both of you, though. I mean, I you know, this is also something that once it starts, I'm sure the ripple effect it doesn't just ripple back quickly. So, you know, something that we're going to just keep looking at, correct on forecasting. Absolutely. We're we're even watching the school systems, the nursing schools, the physician schools to see are they, you know, are they increasing the numbers so that more people can get out into the workforce. Um, but it clearly is going to have a big impact over the next 10 years. Agreed. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you both for sharing your your knowledge on this. It's it's an important topic to to everyone who's involved, whether you're uh, an employee or an employer. So, uh, we'll probably have another uh, talk about this in coming weeks or months and see where things are at. So, Max, Dr. Bartlett, thank you both for being with me today. And until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you.